This is C. Travis Webb, editor of The American Age, and this is my note on last week's podcast. Um, we focused uh, most of the time on uh, Will Smith uh, smacking Chris Rock, and we talked through that. And, um, you know, I wasn't that enthusiastic about talking about the subject, uh, at least initially. Um, you know, we we try to be pretty democratic about the things we talk about, and you know we re- reach consensus. And so, um, Seth had wanted to talk about it, and it was actually really helpful to hear uh, why it was so uh, such an urgent topic for him. You know, given the history, his family history, and and sort of the things he's dealt with. Uh, and I've known Seth, you know, decades, and so I know that. And you know, I hadn't really thought about about that in, in relation to it. And that got me thinking about, um, generosity and thinking or having some humility. Let me put it that way. Having some humility about the unknowable number of vectors and variables and encounters and unknowns that go into making up our preoccupations with the world. Um, we can't know. Uh, we can barely know our own histories uh, and maybe the histories of a handful of other people that surround us, very close friends, um, family members, etc. But you can't know that person's inner life, what things are swirling around in their head. Maybe that was Will Smith's worst night ever. Ever. I mean, and I don't mean to, you know, I don't mean to diminish the indignity that was visited upon Chris Rock. It was an indignity and, uh, and he handled it very well, but maybe that weird association of events, who knows what happened on the way there. We just can't know. And I don't mean that means, I don't think for me, that means we suspend judgment. It's honestly, you know, I don't, In spiritual traditions, I don't tend to fully buy the idea that we should suspend our judgment entirely, mostly because that's how we grow. You know, if I fuck up and make a mistake um, or I behave thoughtlessly, um, oftentimes the way I know that I've made a mistake is because someone close to me says, hey, they get, you know, they get pissed or, you know, I, I missed something or I wasn't paying attention or I wasn't being considerate enough. Um, and so we often learn um, by other people's judgments. And so I don't feel like we should suspend our judgments. But I do think that there's probably, it's helpful to have a degree of humility about whatever might be going on with that person and always be willing and able to listen to what that person's concerns are, even if we end up you know, not agreeing with them or not feeling that they're justified. Really nothing that uh, Will Smith would say would make what he did okay. But again, you know, it's just a big black box. Even if we know someone's history, you know, my son is getting older um, and is nine now. And I mean, obviously his personality, I mean, which was evident when he was younger too, but, um, you know, he's starting to have his own preoccupations and I know him very well. I see him every day. I've raised him, my wife and I have raised him. Um, I know all of his interests, but I can't really know what's going on in his brain, right? All of the like preoccupations or things that he notices that I don't and passing remarks. 
And so hearing Seth talk about that, you know, his experience, what he saw when in, in that event or what that recalled for him, it was helpful. Um, and it, it reminds me that, you know, we're all in all of this together all the time, right? We're never away from people, even when we're alone, you know, we have that social monkey mind about how we are perceived. Sartre writes about this a lot and being in nothingness. But the the reference that I like to draw on for my note is Ramakrishna Paramahansa, who was a 19th century Indian mystic, um, kind of part of the um, emerging elite in 19th century India that led to Indian nationalism and was kind of a precursor to Gandhi. And um, and he said, you know, I mean, Ramakrishna is mostly read as uh, for his spiritual teachings, which is what I'm going to talk about. But, you know, I, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's ever a good idea to fully divorce the politics of the situation. Um, and Ramakrishna, along with uh, Vivekananda and, and a number of other people, were uh, uh, were involved in the creation of a kind of uh, Indian national identity, and that eventually, you know, led to the overthrow of the British Empire and and you know the kind of contemporary politics that we have today. But Ramakrishna said, in blending these two things, Ramakrishna said that enlightenment is 90% community and 10% effort, or something like that. I actually tried to look up the reference before the podcast. I know that he's said this. I forget which book it's in, but I couldn't find it quickly. Uh, I may have the percentages off, 95, 5, 90, 10, 85, 15, something like that. But uh, a far more substantial portion of enlightenment or seeing the Godhead, which for Ramakrishna, you know, is a terrifying God. So he was a devotee of Kali. And I don't know if, you, if, I mean, listeners, if you've seen graphic depictions of Kali, I mean, this is a woman who does, you know, this is the goddess of death and time and change and, you know, multiple arms and severed heads and long knives and rapiers and fire. And, you know, this is, this is a terrifying aspect of divinity. And Ramakrishna blends these two things, which is that, you know, it's our community that gets us most of the way there, right? I mean, we know, educators know this about uh, kids, you know, the, who were your friends, who are your friends, who are you hanging out with, who you're spending time with, um, you know, they tend to either bring you down or lift you up. And, you know, what kind of community do we have right now? in the United States, I think there would be broad agreement that there are some problems. Um, and I don't mean it in a hippy-dippy kumbaya way, but we are really invested in tearing each other down. I mean, really, really invested in tearing each other apart. Um, you know, we're going to talk about the, the quote-unquote don't say gay bill, which, um, you know, to to show my cards a little bit, I think is a, is a gross misrepresentation, even if I am not in support of the bill and I tend to not be in support of bills that limit people's uh, freedom of speech. So um, I'm probably on the other side of it, but it's a misrepresentation of, of what these people's concerns are, whether they're valid or not, but we are very invested 
in pulling our adversaries or imagined adversaries apart. Um, and it's not going to end well. Um, it's a real problem how to, you know, find some space to talk to one another about things that we vehemently disagree about and not dehumanize the other person, not turn them into uh, something to be sacrificed to appease our personal gods. Um, that's my note for this week. Um, as always, we thank you for listening and I'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Hello, this is Seth Rodney and I'm speaking to you from Newburgh. It's Sunday evening and this is my note on the last conversation that we had on the American Age podcast about Will Smith and the Ukraine and what I thought, partly re-listening to the old episode, is that a lot of what I was getting at, and I think Travis and Stephen were also getting at, was the ways in which violence reshapes the world, or shapes it. When I talked about Will Smith's assault on Chris Rock at the last Academy Awards show, I talked about these odd takes and various misreadings of the situation. And I talked about my own upbringing, about how my father was abusive to me, and my own subsequent difficulty with dealing with violence. And then I thought about the sport that I went into and I, and I did for 14 years. I was a fencer. And fencing is very symbolic violence. It's about taking what used to be a sword, an epee, an actual cutting instrument, and blunting it and making it a part of a kind of electronic scoring system, in which just a depression of the nib of the weapon is enough to register a hit. It's not really dealing with sharp blades anymore. And in fact, the ways that people act on the fencing piece or strip these days is absolutely not what you would do if you had to face an opponent with a sharp pointed blade in the ways that most fencers fence now it belies that history Anyway, I'm thinking about that because I'm thinking about the ways in which my own experience of violence is after growing up in a household that was pretty violent was uh is is is, is skewed by that history is shaped by that history. 
I just saw someone hurting someone else on national television. So adding to the pain of the actual hit was the pain of public humiliation. These are real things, and they have real impact on people. They have real impact on a human being. It had real impact on me, and I was hurt and humiliated in my own home growing up. There's a way in which I think this connects to the Ukraine situation because I think Putin, Vladimir Putin, wants to hurt and humiliate Ukraine for daring to be a separatist nation. I think there's a, there's these sort of foregone dreams of empire, and he wants to recover some version of the former, former Soviet Union. And he's willing to roll over any body, really, any body, any individual with, the ta- with his tanks, his bombs, his armored personnel vehicles. Yeah, bombs don't really roll over people, but he's willing to assault anyone in order to get his way. And there's something deeply mean-spirited and selfish and antisocial and in some ways anti-human about that position. And I think that people who give comfort to and make excuses for Will Smith's behavior or Putin's flirt with that inhumanity that's in all of us. They flirt with that. They they partially embrace that. They think it's okay to demean or to hurt other human beings as long as in the service of, I'm not sure what, defending someone's honor? I mean, maybe that's how these things are connected. Like there's this idea out there that Jada Pinkett Smith had this has this amorphous, intangible thing called honor. Okay, I'm I'm being unfair when I do that. There is such a thing as honor and dignity, for sure. And it's probably individually constructed with some social help. But it does exist even though it's sort of ephemeral. But there's this idea that honor can be won back after it's been degraded. And I think this is really what connects these two situations, that Vladimir Putin thinks that he can somehow win back Russia's honor by... Stamping its foot on the neck of one of the breakaway states, the Ukraine. None of this, none of this ends well. Once you make the choice for violence, it gets worse. I see it in Israel and the way that they treat Palestinians. I see it in the ways that cops treat people of color in the United States generally. You opt for violence and you just make the situation worse. It's, sometimes situations are just bad. 
the situation in Palestine with Israel trying to assert authority over the Palestinians and Palestinians essentially asserting that they've been there before the Israelis were there and want their homes back is bad. The violence makes it worse. The violent repression of those people makes it worse. The violent repression to, of a jester, essentially the role that Chris Rock was playing, makes everything worse. Putin invading Ukraine makes everything worse. It destabilizes the whole world. And yet, this is the thing that we often go to as human beings. We actually think that violence will make things better, will solve things. <sighs> That's one of the things I think that will be written on our species tombstone. <laughs> yeah, we thought violence would solve this. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood, and this is my coda for last week's episode on Will Smith assaulting Chris Rock at the Oscars. I don't have a lot to say about this incident that I didn't say or listen to or hear or, or sort of absorb from Travis and Seth's response to it. I listened to the episode and I was happy with the way that we sort of thought about it. We were, there was a through line. We all felt Will Smith was wrong. It was very basic. And so, but since then, um, I'm on Twitter and I was noticing <laughs> a significant amount of people hating Jada Pinkett Smith. And you would have thought that she actually was the one who ran up on stage and slapped Chris Rock or shot him or killed him or whatever. And all of it stems from the notion that Jada Smith Pinkett is evil. This is what I've been hearing. And so I'm going to read a few tweets. I'm starting to believe that Tupac faked his death just to get away from Jada Pinkett Smith. Jada Smith's grandmother taught her at nine years to pleasure herself because she didn't want her to think that she needed a man. Four generations of women brainwashed with this anti-relationship absurdity. Will Smith walked into a booby trap from which he can never satisfy her, ever. Jada Pinkett Smith is emotionally and mentally abusive to her husband. If the roles were reversed, everyone would see the red flags, but instead they just see a powerful, in quotes, woman. I love how the people defending Jada Pinkett Smith are just like, it's because she's a black woman. How dare you criticize Jada? You're a misogynist. Maybe, maybe she's just an asshole to her husband and people don't like that she's an asshole to her husband. Never date a Jada Pinkett Smith. There are a few supporters. The way Jada Pinkett Smith is being treated is showing just how violent people can be when they feel like they're being justified in attacking a black woman. Jada Pinkett Smith is abusing Will Smith in the name of Pac. <laughs> Sorry, no, apologies. That was just one and the other one goes back to that. Oh yeah, and the continue with the bad stuff. Jada Pinkett Smith is concocting the most disrespectful shit to say ab about Will on her next podcast. Fuck Jada Smith, fuck Amber Heard, and fuck Coleslaw. I do not care for Jada Pinkett Smith. 
We do not claim her in this Virgo community. Oh, good gravy. I wouldn't even wish my worst of enemies for them to marry Jada Pinkett Smith. And last tweet. Jada Pinkett Smith is trending for being a horrible woman and wife, and I hope she notices it. I just don't see it. I posted on both Twitter and on Facebook, what's all the hate about Jada Pinkett Smith? Which is the question, you know, I have for anyone. I mean, I've seen the red table. I've seen Jada Pinkett Smith. She's a decent enough actress. She seems to be some, you know, be a, a thoughtful person. I don't know. But I really don't know her to hate her. And because Will did this, he went and assaulted a man on live television at the Oscars where everyone's supposed to have a sense of decorum and blah, blah, blah. I just find it really fascinating <laughs> that I have yet to read anything about Will Smith in the key, in the tone of the nastiness that Jada Pinkett Smith is experiencing. The, I'm going to close out with a quote or a question, excuse me, from Tashina Arnold. You might remember her from uh, the TV show Martin, Pam. I really like her. I do like Tashina Arnold. But here's her question, April 13th. Honest question. What can we as black women in America do to stop aiding in the emasculation of black men in America? I don't know if it was in response to the Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, Chris Rock thing. I don't know, but it's a little close. It's, it's you know, I think it's interesting because some people responded to her in a way that I would have responded to her, which is get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and this idea that black women are emasculating black men is a very old racist trope that goes far, far, it goes back, considerably back. It's the mammy. It's the woman who's got the bowling pin in her hand. She's got a handkerchief on her head and she's, she's yelling at Rochester for being a no good, no count. No, no, no. It's just nonsense. But I, I won't say I revel in these moments. I'll say that I am very, conscious of these moments and I'm happy that they happen because I want to know where you are with these ideas. And it's also a good way to begin or to continue or to rehab or have conversations with people who believe these kinds of things to find out like exactly what what do you mean? You know, where's your evidence? Because I don't see it. I haven't lived it. And I am weary of the kinds of attacks on Jada Pinkett Smith and them being justified because people like Will Smith or they feel that Will Smith got a raw deal when he married Jada Pinkett Smith. It's rather, it's just none of our business to a large degree. And then again, as Seth had mentioned, when I said I was just done with this shit and he goes, no, you're not done with this. You do care. I do care because I don't want to see people abused. I don't like Chris Rock. I mean, I like some of his stuff. Sometimes he's, he's like 50-50 to me. At times, his, his jokes are spot on and hilarious. But I left his film, Good Hair, thinking that he was pretty irresponsible to, put, to, to create a documentary where he didn't include his wife or his mother. And most importantly, the fact that his wife wore, his ex-wife, excuse me, wore um, extensions in her hair and... He married her, so he has culpability. He has a desire that he never issued. He just made it sound like, I don't understand what's going on. Black women in a straight hit. What they want that for? 
And I was just like, this is, uh, this is irresponsible. And so, again, Chris Rock is 50-50 for me. But I don't want to see the man slapped upside the face, particularly for a joke. No, I don't. And that's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs>